Welcome to BrainStuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, BrainStuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. The world is full of faces. Faces in wall outlets, faces in lamp switches, faces in cheese graters. Sometimes these faces have religious significance, like the woman who found an image of the Virgin Mary in her grilled cheese, or the Cheeto that looks convincingly like Jesus. The phenomenon of seeing faces where they're not supposed to be, in clouds, on buildings, in tacos, is so common and widespread that it has a name, pareidolia. In Greek, pareidolia translates as beyond form or image, and it means finding meanings or patterns where there aren't any, like hearing a heartbeat in white noise, or believing that a seat cushion is mad at you. It's easy to dismiss pareidolia as, at best, a fun optical illusion, or, at worst, a psychotic delusion. But some scientists now believe that our uncanny ability to find faces in everyday objects points to a new understanding of how our brains process the outside world. Instead of taking in visual cues and then making sense of them as an apple, a tree, or a face, it might be the other way around— What if our brains are actually telling our eyes what to see? We spoke with Kang Lee, a professor of applied psychology and human development at the University of Toronto. Lee has spent decades studying how infants, children, and adults process faces. And relatedly, he gave a popular TED Talk on how to tell if kids are lying. Lee explained that we're basically programmed to see faces as a product of millions of years of evolution. Quote, As soon as we're born, we start to look for faces. One reason is that our ancestors needed to avoid predators or find prey, all of which have faces. And a second reason is that humans are very social animals. When we interact with each other, we need to know if the other person is a friend or foe. Since the ability to quickly recognize and respond to different faces could be a matter of life and death, there's a much higher cost for not seeing the lion's face in the underbrush than for mistaking an orange and black flower for a lion's face. The brain is better off making a false positive if it means that you're primed to recognize real danger too. Okay, so if evolution has programmed our brains to prioritize faces, how exactly does it all play out under the hood? The conventional understanding of how we see things is that the eyes take in visual stimuli from the outside world, uh, light, colors, shapes, movement, and send that information to the visual cortex, located in a region of the brain known as the occipital lobe. After the occipital lobe translates the raw data into images, those images are sent to the frontal lobe, which does the high-level processing. We look at a cliff, and our brains then have to determine Is that a rock outcropping, or is it a giant head? That conventional model is what Lee calls bottom-up processing, in which the brain's role is to passively take in information and make sense of it. If the brain sees faces everywhere, it's because the brain is responding to face-like stimuli, uh, basically any cluster of spots and spaces that roughly look like two eyes, a nose, and a mouth. But Lee and other researchers began to question the bottom-up processing model. They wondered if it wasn't the other way around, a top-down process in which the brain is calling the shots. Lee said, we wanted to know whether the frontal lobe actually plays a very important role in helping us to see faces. Instead of the face imagery coming from the outside, the brain generates some kind of expectation from the frontal lobe 
then goes back to the occipital lobe and finally to our eyes. And then we see faces. That question is what made Lee think about pareidolia. He had read those stories of people seeing images of Jesus, Elvis, and angels in their toast and tortillas and wondered if he could build an experiment around it. So Lee recruited a bunch of regular people, hooked them up to an fMRI scanner, and showed them a series of grainy images, some of which contained hidden faces and some of which were pure noise. The participants were told that exactly half of the images contained a face, which was not true, and were asked with each new image, do you see a face? As a result of this prodding, participants reported seeing a face 34% of the time when there was nothing but static. What was most interesting to Lee were the images coming back from the real-time fMRI scan. When participants reported seeing a face, the face area of their visual cortex lit up even when there was no face in the image at all. That told Lee that another part of the brain must be telling the visual cortex to see a face. In a paper provocatively titled Seeing Jesus in Toast, Neural and Behavioral Correlates of Face Pareidolia, Lee and his colleagues reported that when the brain was properly primed to see faces, then the expectation to see a face was coming from the frontal lobe, specifically an area called the inferior frontal gyrus. Lee explained, the inferior frontal gyrus is a very interesting area. It's related to generating some kind of idea and then instructing our visual cortex to see things. If the idea is a face, then it would see a face. If the idea is Jesus, I'm pretty sure the cortex is going to see Jesus. If the idea is Elvis, then it's going to see Elvis. The Jesus in Toast paper won Lee a 2014 Ig Nobel Prize, a cheeky award handed out by the humorous science magazine Annals of Improbable Research. But Lee says the pareidolia experiment proved the top-down processing plays a critical role in how we experience the world around us. He said, A lot of things we see in the world aren't coming from our sight, but are coming from inside our minds. Lee has also run research on babies and racial bias. He found that the very youngest babies were able to recognize differences between faces of all races, but lost that ability as they grew older. By nine months, they could only differentiate between faces that were their same race. The rest started to blur together. The reason is they had only been exposed to same race faces, in most case mom and dad, for the first nine months of their life. From his research, Lee now believes that racial biases are not biological. We simply learn to trust people that look like the faces we saw when our brains were first developing. Unfortunately, this can develop later into different kinds of biases based on societal messaging and stereotypes. Lee said, the reason that there are racial biases is because of early experiences. If we created a diverse visual and social experience for children, then they would be less likely to have biases. The good news is that parents and educators can combat racial bias by exposing infants and toddlers to faces of all races and identifying them by things like names, professions, or other personally identifying qualifiers or interests, not as a white person or a black person. Today's episode was written by Dave Ruse and produced by Tyler Klang. 
For more on this and lots of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 